0: On the Block, On Demand! They don't
1: know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment.
2: Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this
1: year. Continue standing by.
2: Okay, not 10.
1: 25-footer! Yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin! Stone Cold! I just told him they were going to win by 20. The Bills make me want to Taylor going to take a shot. Throwing end zone. He's got weapons. Touchdown. They didn't look into the your heart. They, they didn't look into my heart. The Boston Red Sox are world champions.
0: This is On the Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. Ah! The... Here on ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board as always, you can listen online. They do have the Internet of Computers now, ESPNSyracus.com. The ESPN app is a great way to stay in touch with the show as well. Download that, hit the Listen tab, and then take us with you wherever you go. We're going with you, baby. Here's how you get in touch with the program today, 437-7644. That is the phone number, Brent Brentax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We're off to a good start, although I do have a bit of a cold. And I'm, my voice has been very spotty over the weekend. So it we're good now, but I may have to call Seth out of the bullpen at some point. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens here. We're good for the first few minutes of the show. I didn't know if we could do the traditional open, but we got it in. We're rolling. We're good. But, yes, it's that wonderful time of the year. Dayquil. It's a beautiful thing. 437-7644. Brentax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288 Hope you had a great weekend. We've got a lot to talk about here on a Monday edition of the program. We have two guests that will join us today. Our good friend, Sal Capaccio, Sal Capaccio, Sal Capaccio, will join us in 15 minutes, fresh from Snowmageddon. Hopefully, he's thawed out by now. He kind of reminds me of Frankie Carbone from Goodfellas. It took him three days to thaw him out for the autopsy. You're out there on the field yesterday in Snowmageddon in Buffalo. I wouldn't be surprised if Sal is still huddling around a heater somewhere while he chats with us, but we will discuss Snowmageddon, the Bills, and how they go forward here. They got a big win, despite an awful call by Sean McDermott to punt that football, and you cannot shake me off that. I'm a very stubborn person on a number of things in life, and I've had a lot of discussions online and in person and on the phone with several Bills fans, and you just cannot talk me into the fact that that was a good coaching decision to punt that ball. Fourth and one, your own 42-yard line. I'm sorry. The ends do not justify the means there. The win does not justify that call. It was awful on Sean McDermott's part. But as a Bills fan, beggars can't be choosers, right? They won a game. We'll take it. Still in the hunt, as they say. But what are they going to do a quarterback? Where is Tyrod Taylor? When could, if, and all the questions, Nathan Peterman come out of concussion protocol, all the latest on the Bills. is, You know, this time of the year, there's that graphic. Here are the teams in the playoffs. Here are the teams in the hunt. That's always where the Bills are, but, hey, they're still there. And they got a little help from the Steelers last night. So we'll talk to Sal about all things Bills. We'll talk to our buddy Mike McAllister, top of next hour, Ques Nation. Lost in the shuffle this weekend. You know, we talked plenty of hoops, of course, which we'll do here momentarily and everything that happens over a busy sports weekend. Syracuse football did lose a couple players. Cate and Samuels and Juwan Dowles have transferred from the program, but they've also gained players via JUCO, via commitment, a big swing commitment for Syracuse over the weekend. So if you missed those, we will catch up on that and all things recruiting with our good friend Mike McAllister coming up next hour. Giancarlo Stanton, maybe going to New York, I'll go by Mike Stanton again. I don't know, but that is a huge move for the New York Yankees. We will discuss with a Yankee fan and host of Yankees on deck, Seth Goldberg, later in the program. That is official. Dot the I's, cross the T's, everything. The Yankees not only announced that move today, but Stanton did his little press conference, held up the jersey today in New York. So we will get to that. Hot takes, as always. But I do want to start with a little Syracuse basketball, and I want to start with Syracuse basketball this way. As they enter finals week and Georgetown looms on Saturday, so all the nostalgia we'll be discussing throughout the week and waxing poetic on the days of Syracuse and Georgetown. And this time you've got Patrick Ewing as the head coach of one of these teams that has come full circle, that old rivals of Jim Boeheim's that he used to have to coach against. Go through the NBA, become Hall of Fame players in the NBA, go through the cycle as an assistant coach, did not get quite the opportunity he wanted in the NBA, but is now an assistant coach, or now is the head coach, pardon me, at Georgetown. So that'll be fun, and we'll do that whole trip down memory lane thing as we get closer to that game later in the week. But. Here's what tells the tale of the Syracuse basketball team right now, is they are 8-1 and one after a closer-than-expected game against Colgate on Saturday. As Colgate just—it was raining threes at the Carrier Dome. They took 35 of them. They made 14 of them. They stayed in that game. It was just one of those games where, you know, it's a Saturday. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's Colgate. There wasn't a lot of energy in the building. I think the most energy produced at the Dome, other than a couple of highlights on the court, were the Bella Twins— who are strolling around the Carrier Dome, signing autographs, taking pictures with people. That's hot. I have no idea who the Bella Twins are. I really, I'm i so out of the loop on this. Apparently they're wrestling people of some sort. I don't know. I'm sure they're nice young ladies. I, 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 I just don't know. <laughs> Mike Waters is tweeting photos, and all these people are just going bananas because the Bella Twins are walking around, and I'm just like, I am such an old man. Who are these people? I, I don't know you. I don't know So anyway, it was a flat game. There was not a lot of energy. Syracuse did not get the defensive movement that Jim Beheim would want. They did not get really anything that you would look at normally in a Colgate game like that. But they did get the win, and they did rack up a few very interesting stats. Thanks to the great Jason Murray of Syracuse.com who puts together this post of interesting stat trends for the Orange. you'll As we'll go through here momentarily, we're going to give it the fancy voice guy treatment and everything. Syracuse is on the extremes of some key stats, and it really tells you where they're at as a team and what they have to continue to do this month, next month, the month after that, and into March if they want to play into March. So let us take the stats Dug up by the great Jason Murray, Syracuse.com When he's not busy speculating what's going to happen Thursday when The Last Jedi comes out Which, by the way, double thumbs this guy Is doing as well Just counting down the days until The Last Jedi comes out Thursday, 9.30 Polly and I going on a bro date with our buddy Ty Getting the band back together from a previous uh, radio gig And we are going to be there And I believe, speculation is That a immediate emergency version of We Get It, the award-winning podcast that you can download at com or subscribe in iTunes, will be recorded reviewing that movie after it is done Thursday night into Friday morning. So stay tuned for that. But, okay, I'm getting off track here. Jason Murray put some stats together. We wanted to give it the fancy voice guy treatment. So this is Syracuse basketball in a nutshell right now. And you'll see how these stats improve as we go. But cue up the voice guy. Let's go. Number five. Syracuse right now is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in college basketball. At just under 28%. They are 331st in the country shooting the three out of 351 teams. Syracuse is a team that obviously does not have a primary three point shooter right now. They have guys that can hit the three. Tyus Battle can hit threes. O'Shea Brissett can hit that shot. Frank Howard can hit that shot. But they don't have an Andrew White. They don't have a primary guy that's going to threaten any sort of percentages, records, or anything on the top of any three point shooting lists that Syracuse has. Which brings us to our next stat, Number four. At 49%, and this number is slightly skewed by the fact that Colgate just kept shooting threes on Saturday. They scored, what, 42 of their 58 points in that game at the three-point line. But it is worth noting that 49% of opponent shots come from the three-point line for Syracuse right now. There is only one team out of 350 in Division I college basketball that has faced more than Syracuse. Number three. Now, here's where things start to improve a little bit for the Orange. Now, they have been outscored from the three-point line by 108 points. So you're saying to yourself, wait a minute here. If teams are shooting the three, and they're hitting three, and they're scoring by an average of more than 12 points per game from the three-point line, how is Syracuse 8-1? and And 8-1 and having played some darn good teams, unlike Georgetown, who has one of the most ridiculous non-conference slates I've ever seen in my life. They're literally the worst team in college basketball when it comes to strength of schedule, which if I'm Patrick Ewing and I'm coming in and I'm taking over for JT3 and i got to build this thing up, as much as people will poke holes in it, don't you just have to give that team a feeling of winning games? I guess that's the theory there, but Syracuse by a mile will be the toughest team that Georgetown faces before they get in the conference play. Now, on that note, here's where things start to get better for the Orange. How are they doing this, even with good teams on the slate like UConn, like Kansas, who they played, who lost again this weekend, by the way? Well, here's how. Number two, Syracuse is the second best offensive rebounding team in the country. Right now, 41.6%. That averages eight more possessions per game for the Orange. That's key. Jim Beheim has noted it, that this team is as good rebounding-wise, at least so far, going back to the Derek Coleman days. We have seen the commitment. Now, O'Shea Brissett only had five rebounds against Colgate, but that was his lowest rebounding day of the year. It was one of the few games of the nine that Syracuse has played, where he did not come close to a double double. Did have a career high in points. But O'Shea Brissett overall has shown a fierce commitment to rebounding. Merrick Doljai is getting in there and rebounding the ball. Pascal Chukwu and Abraham Sadabi did not play on Saturday, but they're getting rebounds. Even the guards are getting rebounds. This is a team that is not only rebounding, they are rebounding on the offensive end. That creates more possessions, that creates more. Field goal opportunities, and it also brings us to voice band. number one. Syracuse sure is giving up a lot of threes. Some teams are even making some of these threes, but Syracuse has a opponent field goal percentage of forty one percent. That's thirteenth in the country, so they are holding teams much more limited inside than they are from the three point range. Rebounding and defense. Now, was the defensive effort what it needed to be Saturday, given all the open shots? And I mentioned that Barama was out, so Pascal didn't quite rotate here. And just one of those games where energy's not there, okay? Colgate on a Saturday afternoon, despite the presence of the Bella Twins, it was not the most enthralled basketball atmosphere of the year. It just happens. They had played a lot of games. What was it, four games in 14 days? And it's that game before finals week, and it just happens, right? I was not expecting a raucous atmosphere, but I mean the, the only time the crowd got off their butt in that game was the traditional hand clap at the start of each half and when they had to make a dome foam run or had to go get another picture with the Bella twins, right? So you just gotta scratch out games like that and weather the storm. How is Syracuse weathering the storm despite the fact they can't shoot? Well, from three point range, Tyus Battle for one. What another fantastic game who has led this team in scoring in all but one game this year, the Toledo game, when he only had eight points. Frank Howard, he still has to put a little more mustard on some of those passes that he throws, and if he does, I don't think he has five turnovers in that game, but certainly a great bounce-back game for him, 18 points, six assists. I think he had, what, five rebounds in that game. We mentioned O'Shea Brissett and his terrific offensive day. Now, there's more SU hoops to dig into later in the show. And Colgate is not really the litmus test that I want to use to describe big picture. That's why we wanted to go to the numbers there. But what this tells you is Syracuse has a primary offensive guy in Tyus battle. They have complementary offensive guys. Frank Howard has been consistent this year, but can have his down moments. And other than that, they've got to fight, tooth, nail, scratch, and claw for those rebounds, particularly on the offensive end, and play great defense to win. And they are a team that's committed to it. They are a team that has done it so far. We've got a long way to go. And on that note, we will take a break. Coming up, he's still thawing out from snowmageddon. Snow time. And all the puns in Orchard Park. Our buddy Sal Capaccio. WGR, the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. That's the dumbest win I've ever seen the Bills make. Dumb. Just Absolutely. That's just dumb. But we'll take it. Back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. That it is, my friends. It is presented by Burdick Toyota. Great to have you here. So apparently, not only can you listen to my cold-infused dulcet tones on the radio or via the ESPN app, or perhaps later on your time, Via iTunes, you can subscribe to ESPN Syracuse and iTunes and Google Play and receive daily podcasts of this program. All the big interviews we do. So apparently, uh, do I have to like wave at the camera like hi people? Like we're Facebook living now. Apparently, this is a thing. Okay, I don't. You know, I mean, I'm just kind of me sitting here in a studio. Here's my bottle of water. Here's my tissues. You can see like here. Here's my notes. Got a cool looking studio here. There's the sign. Somebody left their junk over there. There's a football helmet. It's got some autographs on it. So apparently we're doing like Facebook Live now, if that's your thing. If you're sitting there and you're on Facebook, you see a little notification pop up. Uh, please like our Facebook page, ESPN Syracuse, and away you go. I think Seth just did it because he wants more camera time. That, that's just that's my theory on this whole Facebook Live. Yes, the, the hot dog sign as well. Was that not in the camera shot? we got to get that in the camera shot. Notice what's on that hot dog, by the way. No ketchup. That's a mustard relish hot dog thing. Look, you leave that up there, it's going to fall down and hit me in the head. So just put it right here. Right, here you go. I'll just hold it up the whole time like this. about that? So hit the like button on our ESPN Syracuse page, and you can watch us on Facebook Live as well. Why don't you hit me with that fancy open? Let's do some hot takes.
1: We've got a hot one for you.
0: Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. So hot.
2: Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off.
0: <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. Philadelphia Eagles fans hearing exactly today what they did not want to hear.
2: What the report I got this morning was just ACL. Yeah. Quarterback, MVP candidate. Can your team
1: overcome?
2: You sure can. Heck yeah. Um we overcame a Pro Bowl left tackle. Um we overcame our middle linebacker. We've overcome a running back. We've overcome a, a, a core special teams player this year our kicker this year. Uh, this is no no different. Um, you know, yeah, he is the quarterback of our, of our football team. Um, and uh, each one of these guys that I mentioned is tough to replace tough to replace. But you know what, the reason we went out and got Nick Foles is for reasons like this and for situations like this and uh, um, I'm excited for Nick, obviously. I hate it for Carson Wentz. I hate it for uh, um, the career the uh, or the season, I guess, that he's he's been having. Um, but at the same time, it's it's been the next man up mentality, and, and that's, that's how we approach it this week.
0: I'm going to miss some names here, but you can add Carson Wentz with a torn ACL to the following. J.J. Watt, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, Richard Sherman, Julian Edelman, Odell Beckham Jr., David Johnson, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Carson Palmer, Joe Thomas, amongst the major names that have all been knocked out during the season, in the case of Tannehill, in the preseason, and as we've gone along here. Now, there are injuries every year. Football is a war of attrition. It's often not the most talented team that wins. It's the healthiest team that wins, especially this time of the year, when you're really grinding it out. You know, the New York Giants have had an obscene amount of people put on injured reserve. Green Bay Louis's Rodgers, and the injuries pile up there. I don't care who you are. You can't rack up that many injuries and be a successful team in the NFL. You heard Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, mention it there. They've lost Sproles. They lost their left tackle, Jason Peters, but Carson Wentz, that's the MVP of the National Football League. He was running away with the award, and I know that Tom Brady has to be mentioned in that conversation and a few other names here everyone Alex Smith was the consensus MVP in the NFL but that's your MVP Nick Foles is a good backup quarterback Nick Foles can you know kind of keep you on the path that they're on win the division but Nick Foles cannot win you a Super Bowl he cannot get you to a Super Bowl in the NFC that is a crushing blow and it's just it's a fluke thing torn ACL it looked like it was on the play where he went in the end zone and it was because of contact but uh, Peterson even mentioned it, that it looked like a non-contact thing. It's just, look, injuries are a part of football, but nobody wants to hear about this many injuries. That's hot. And these are all, every name I just mentioned, and some I did not, these are guys you put in commercials. These are guys you put front-facing, faces of the league, the big names, the big fantasy pickups, the highlight reels, those are some of the biggest stars in the sport. A lot of quarterbacks in there, your best defensive player, the MVP of, of the NFL a couple times over, Super Bowl winners, the most exciting player in the game. I mean, the NFL, all you want about anthem protests and quality of play and horrible officiating and some things that have plagued the NFL this year? There's too many players getting hurt that are of significance. Everybody has injuries. That's football, but... That many stars gone, somebody with more time on their hands than I, and somebody smarter than I, should go look at that. And I don't know how you would measure that, but this has got to be one of the biggest years I can remember of marketable, big-time NFL stars that have all gone down in one year. It almost went down in the stands yesterday between the Seahawks and the Jaguars here is a Quentin Jefferson on what exactly happened. I'm a
1: man, just like the other man in the stands. And not unless somebody disrespect me, throw a beer on me. Like, just because I'm playing football, I'm still a human being. I'm still a man. I'm walking. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm walking out. Somebody throw a beer, and then somebody throws another drink. What would you do?
0: That is Quentin Jefferson of the Seattle Seahawks. First of all, why would you throw a beer at an NFL football player? You paid $10 for that. You're at an NFL game. Drink the beer. Don't throw things at all, but you paid $10 for that beer. That is a waste of good beer, sir, and I will not tolerate that. Or, man, you never know these days, right? But it was crazy because it, was, it spilled over from what happened on the field. Michael Bennett rolling over people on a kneel-down play. Leonard Fournette shoves Bennett. Then there's a melee. And then the crowd gets into it. Then you got unnecessary roughness. Sheldon Richardson of Seattle was ejected for throwing a punch. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria, right? Mercedes Lewis saying, quote, it's just bull bleep. There's no room in the game for that. We're kneeling. You can get somebody hurt. We're out there trying to kneel. Not the anthem protest kneel, the kneel to, you know, run the clock out. There's no timeout. You can't stop the clock. Like, why try to hurt somebody? And he's exactly right. You know, it's funny when we get on shows like this and people try to moralize football. It's a sport that is so violent and there's so much that happens, but there are boundaries in sports. For example, Michael Bennett, dirty, should be suspended for that, just like Rob Gronkowski got suspended a week for that cheap shot in Tredavious White, who, by the way, was on the field for Buffalo yesterday, and my man loves the snow. I don't know if you saw him dancing around yesterday, but... There is no place in that. I don't want to hear that it's a game full of adrenaline and violence and guys are jacked up. No, they know when to hit people and when not to hit people. If anything, football is controlled aggression. You know when you're supposed to hit people and when you're not. And the only people that can police this are the players. So when you got boneheads like Michael Bennett that are pulling this crap, it ruins it for the rest of the the people that are trying to play the game within the boundaries of the game. That's hot. Now, the biggest question I have is how many bologna sandwiches did Doug Marone down after that win? Because your Jacksonville Jaguars, folks, keep winning. Blake Bortles looks like he might be a competent NFL quarterback, at least for the time being. And Jacksonville is alone in first place. Doug Marone could coach a little bit. Sally, you want about Doug Marone? And I've said plenty. My man could coach a little bit. Elsewhere in the National Football League, thanks to. The Pittsburgh Steelers keeping the Buffalo Bills in the hunt in the NFL-AFC playoff race. Yes, yes, there you go. Thank you, Big Ben. Uh, How about this? Big Ben threw for 500 yards against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football, which was a terrific game last night. Comeback, 39-38 win. That Eagles-Rams game was amazing yesterday. There were some great games yesterday. Don't get me wrong with all the controversy we're talking about here, but... Roethlisberger threw 4,500 yards. That's the third time that Ben Roethlisberger has thrown 4,500 yards, becoming the first quarterback in NFL history to accomplish such a feat. That is incredible. And that's all I wanted to mention. That's hot. Talk about hot. That's hot. This was not so hot. You see this Tom Savage situation? The Macho Man Tom Savage yesterday. I think we have Bill O'Brien discussing this here, the head coach of the Houston Texans.
1: Basically, there was a third down play where we were backed up, okay, our offense was backed up. I'm on the 50-yard line calling the play. On the play, San Francisco bl- brought blitz zero. They, they blitzed six guys. Uh, Tom got rid of it to the right. It was incomplete. Uh, I had no idea of, I, I, I figured that he got hit, really didn't know that he got hit. There's 12 bodies around him Um, you know, very, very difficult from the 50-yard line where I'm standing to see if he even got hit. With benefit of the video, which I do not have benefit of any video, there's no video on the sideline. All there are are tablets. There's no video. There's nothing like that. With benefit of seeing the video, obviously, from my, my, my standpoint, the care for the player, I would have never let that player back in the game. And I don't believe that Jeff Kaplan would have allowed that player back in the game. I don't have benefit of the video. I did not see anything.
0: He's 100% right. It is ridiculous that the people tasked with this stuff don't have the best resources to do it. NFL sidelines are are chaos. I've been on an NFL sideline. The speed at which things happen, the angle of which things happen. I don't know how coaches do it sometimes because the best angle is you and me. At home, watch it on TV, and I can rewind, and I can watch replays, and I can see things like, you know, Tom Savage with his hands involuntarily shaking, and then he's on the field two plays later. Why do you have an independent neurologist? Why do you have a concussion protocol if it's not going to be followed? Well, part of the reason is, and Bill O'Brien just said it, and it's not complaining, it's 100% right. He does not have the video. He can't see that. You ever watch a coach after a play? What's a coach doing after a play? He's got his head in his sheet and he's looking to call the next play, especially an offensive play caller like Bill O'Brien. So it's on the people that are supposed to be watching this stuff that prevents that from happening. How did Tom Savage get back on that field after two plays? He's on the field. I'm not a doctor, but I know it's not good when a guy's on the field and it basically looks like he's having a seizure on the field. So as much as the NFL has taken a step forward on this stuff, and we were just talking about hits and violence and controlled aggression and what football should be. That's hot. It just goes to show you they've got a hell of a lot to learn, and you and I have a better angle on this stuff, watching at home, than the people tasked with this. And finally, we end this with hot takes. One of the most ridiculous things in sports, one of the most aggravating things that comes across not often enough, but when it did, Made people want to jump through a window is now over. Sorry to say, if you're the old man on the porch that loves to sit home and look for rules violations while a PGA golf event is going on, just so you can call in or email or somehow rat out a PGA, LPGA, or otherwise professional golfer because they didn't place their ball properly or some other ridiculous rules violation, which remember, cost Lexi Thompson a major. This year, Tiger Woods, 2013, remember somebody called in that his ball placement was off by an, you know, a half an inch or something like that? Well, the PGA has shut that down. You can still call, but you're going to be speaking into the ether, and no one will care. Jason Sobel wrote a piece about this on ESPN.com that I looked up today, and when he talked to people about this, he asked the officials at some of these courses, like, how do people even get through? How do they have the number? And it's savvy people that used to be rules officials or volunteer to PGA events that they know who to call and who to get through to. Well, guess what? That's over. So all you armchair rules analysts at home, sitting there with your little notepad and your official USGA rule book, waiting for something to go wrong so you can call in, you got to find something else to do. You're going to have to take your aggressions somewhere else. Go complain on a message board or something. Because those days are done. It's only happened a few times. But when it has happened... That's hot. It has been... (laughs) Nothing gets my blood boiling more than that. How petty, as a human being, do you have to be to sit there and make the effort to call through? Now, I understand rules are rules... Golf is a sport, unlike any other, that self-polices itself. These players are supposed to, you know, follow the rules, and 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 they're the ones that are supposed to, they're the referee and the player at the same time. And there are people that do call in other rules violations in other sports, and they are promptly ignored. As aggravating as it can be that you see something that the official doesn't. I was just talking about it with Tom Savage. Okay, and a football player, we all see the guys twitching on the field and the people that are supposed to make these determinations don't see it. As aggravating as that is, the fact that the PGA allowed Joe Armchair at home to make a phone call and affect a golf tournament going on was one of the great loopholes in sports. And guess what? It's over. You're done. Find something else to do. I'm sure they will. Really bitter people will just take their aggressions elsewhere. Can we find them something to do, though? I mean, I feel bad. They need something to occupy their time. What is something we can give the bitter people who call in rules violations to golf tournaments? What the, you know, turn them on to like that, you know, the Westminster dog show. Fido's bow tie was a half inch off. He shouldn't have won the the medal. We'll think of something for you. I don't know. On that note, we'll take a break. Our buddy Mike McAllister, top of the hour. I don't know if we're, you know, I, I have confidence Mike is going to hold his commitment and come on this radio show, but he is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And given the Carson Wentz news today, we might have to perk him up a little bit. Maybe I'll write him a song, just like we wrote our buddy Sal Capaccio a song. I don't know. We'll see. He's coming up. A couple of big commitments for Syracuse football. They did lose a couple of players via transfer as well. How do those balance out? We'll discuss that and some hoops coming up with Mike. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.